I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I feel very weak. At the thought of bringing these messages to you. I've had a lot of thoughts this past week. But as I stand up here to share that, unless the Lord comes and puts those thoughts together now, and unless he gives you attentive hearts and minds to receive and not be clouded over where the devils would try to rob that truth, there's, not, there's, there's all of it depends upon him and upon his blessing, upon his spirit being here with us and teaching us. That makes us feel very weak when we think about that. I, I feel the weight of this particular message, or this, this series of messages. And as I shared in my prayer, I'm without a doubt that this is a particular series of messages that the devil really does not want shared or want to go out. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced of it. The, the struggles that, that, uh, faced, that, I, that I had to personally face this past week, I can attribute really to nothing more than just spiritual warfare, and I think it's directly connected with these particular sets of messages, and it's because I believe that these sets of messages, this particular truth, not what I have to say, but because of the truth that is revealed in it, the power of that truth is so powerful and so, uh, there's so, there's such great power within these biblical truths that the devil would try to do everything he can to try to to not have that happen. And so when I ask for your prayers, I, I would really mean that, that you would just continue to pray. I want to share a verse here before I begin. It's in Isaiah chapter 58. It just came to me here before I stood up. It's verse 12. I'm going to read it. Isaiah 58, verse 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. And I shared last week a particular verse that Sam had shared. And I had shared in that message that that had to mean something. When we're giving a charge to tear down and to build up, that has to mean something. That has to be put into practical application. And my encouragement was that if we want to, if we want to fight against 
the ideologies that are so present today in our day and culture that war against Christ, that war against the Christian church, then one way in which we can, in a very applicable, relevant way, is that we as, as, as believers, we must build godly homes. We must have godly homes. That is one of the very best things we can do to oppose the devil and all of these ideologies that are facing us in our culture and day and time today. Build godly homes. And just like I shared that there is application to that verse of tearing down and, and pulling down and building up and planting, there's application to this as well. And as it says here, thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. I'd like to suggest this morning that one of the, as you'll recall, one of the, the ordinances that was handed down to us from the apostles is the head covering and the teachings on that. And uh, Sherry, I, I know that you weren't here last Sunday, and we have those, if you would care for those, it might make a little more sense. If, but one of those ordinances that has been buried over and covered over, we oftentimes say that how quickly things can be lost. We look at families, and we marvel sometimes how when a, when, when a mom and a dad make a wrong choice, and they go a wrong way, we marvel because how quickly their children and their grandchildren are so far removed from the faith. We've seen it so many different times. It, it really doesn't take long for biblical truth to get covered over and buried and lost and unknown, where, the, where the, the, the grandchildren know nothing of what the faith of their grandparents was. It happens that quick. It ha- it, so, so in generations of time... That's only multiplied. It gets so buried down there. The head covering is one of those issues that it has not been lost for that long of a time. But today it is lost. But some hundred years ago, maybe even less, it was not lost. It was something that was practiced consistently within the, the, the large so-called Christian church. But within that time, it has been lost over, and I feel as if we are, as I've looked at this, I feel as if it is looking and and uncovering something there, and there's something, it's kind of like those archaeologists, they're digging out there, and they strike upon this great find, and they realize there's something really glorious here. And they realize that there is something to be unearthed here, that if it could be unearthed, there's something tremendously valuable here. And that's the feeling that I have here this morning. I feel that there is something here that is to be unearthed. It's way down there, about 20 foot down. But if we can labor, if we can work towards it, if we can uncover it and lift it back up to its rightful place because it belongs way up there, a hundred feet high on a pinnacle to be shown to all the world. 
But right now, it's about 20 foot down in the ground. You think, well, really? I mean, we, we have the head covering. We practice that. We seem to understand it. But one thing I really struggled with this past week was there seems to be so much more to it. There seems to be so much more to the head covering than what we actually understand or what we actually know. And I think that part of the reason why it's so often lost is because we don't understand why we do it. And I would like to specifically address that this morning as to why we do it. There was a conversation that was had just not too long ago. I don't know all of the details, but it went something along this line. There's two young ladies that were visiting with two other young ladies. Two of those young ladies were part of a, uh, what we would call an Anabaptist, conservative Anabaptist group. And they practiced wearing the head covering. And they don't mind practicing that. They, they don't mind having that head covering. They, they can support that head covering. But these two young ladies don't know why they're doing it. They're doing it, but they don't know why they're doing it. And that really burdens my heart. And I'm glad that those young ladies are doing it. But you see, it's not until, if it would be that next generation, if these young ladies would have children, it starts not to make sense at all. Unless we know why we're doing what we're doing, there's a real good potential for it to just be lost, to be gone, to be given up. It doesn't have any value to it. So I would like to address... And I feel very weak. But I, I hope that maybe, if, if nothing else, I hope that my words here this morning, wherever they'll end up going, may inspire, may encourage, may strengthen some other men, some other women, to realize that, you know, there is something there, and that they would be inspired to pick up that work and start to dig and start to uncover because it's a topic that's a lot bigger than that's going to be covered here in a half hour or 45 minutes. I'm going to have two more lessons, this one and another one, on this topic, Lord, Lord helping me, Lord willing. You think, my, what, what more could be said about this, really? Than what's already been said. But I'll tell you, I think I could have probably another four or five on top of that if we really, really wanted to. I'm not intending to do that. I I hope that after today, my burden is lifted from this. I hope we can move on. And so I hope that maybe these words can be infused as I prayed, can be infused and and have that, that fragrance and that scent and that flow of the anointing of God upon it so that our hearts could be stirred so that we would leave this place saying, you know, there's something there that's glorious, and we labor and we dig and we, and we start un, un, unearthing this thing. That scripture that we read there, that we started with there, it has to mean something. Those, the, that foundation of many generations has to apply to certain topics, and I think it applies to this particular topic, this particular ordinance. So let's begin here with reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to begin at verse 4. 
Begin at verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. I'm going to read that verse again. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. I'm going to read two more verses. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Why ought a woman cover her head? Why? You ever stop and thought about that? Why ought a woman to cover her head? And why ought a man not cover his head? We really need to know the why. We really need to understand why we do what we do. I was thinking this morning, I don't recall ever hearing a message. I don't recall ever hearing a message preached on verse 10. Do you ever remember hearing a message preached on verse 10? For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. I'd like to, Lord helping me, I'd like to share a few thoughts on that. And I can assure you that that's a very intimidating thing to share some thoughts, to share some teachings on a verse that I don't think I've ever heard anything on before as far as shared. I don't recall ever hearing a message preached on that particular verse before. And yet in so many conversations that I've had over the years, that verse so often comes up, what does that mean? And yeah, I think it's really important for us to understand this verse if we're to understand why a woman is 
ought to cover her head. I think it's really important that we understand this. There's a number of different thoughts that come to my mind, and you're going to have to bear with me as I work through this. And again, I would ask you, I don't mean to belabor the point, but would you please keep praying for me? You can't imagine the amount of distractions that run through a man's mind when he stands up here about to give a message. And I don't mean to belabor that, but I really feel that. I want to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to try not to read to too many different places. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so there we have, we have this beginning reason as to why man is not to cover his head. Man is not to cover his head because he is made in the image and glory of God. You say, I'm not sure that makes total sense to me. And woman is to cover her head because she is, as we said, but the woman is the glory of the man. And women, did you know that you are being watched? You know that you're being watched. You feel it when you go, when you leave your home. You are being watched. When you go to the grocery store, You sense eyes looking at you. As men, we don't sense that so much. But as ladies, you sense that people are watching you. When you go to the hospital or the doctor's office, when you go to the dentist, when you get gas, the gas station, as you go out from your home, you know that you're being watched. But what we're oftentimes not aware of is that you're being watched on a much higher level as well. You feel the gaze of other women. You feel the gaze of, of uh, people as they, as they cross your paths. Just last night, my wife and I were in a place 
not because we chose to be, but it's just how it ended up happening. But we were at a place that I was very, very aware that my wife was being gazed upon. She was a real gazing stock, as they say. She didn't fit in. I didn't fit in either. But I was fully aware that there was lots of people gazing at my wife. And, and you, dear sisters, you feel that. And one thing that I have really, one thing that I've walked away from in this past week after looking at this is I have a very high regard for you, dear sisters, who are willing to embrace this. I appreciate what you're doing, and I want you to know that. Because there's a tremendous pressure a tremendous pressure that the world is, is putting upon you women. I want to read a verse here that I've, I, ha- I have preached on many times before. I'm not going to go into all of it. We could have a, a, a full lesson on this again, but we're not going to. I'm just going to briefly touch on it. I want you to keep in mind that what I'm speaking about is that you are being watched. You are being watched. It's not just by humanity. Even though you feel that so keenly, you are being watched by others as well. I want to read here from Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to read from verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it again. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent or for the purpose. For the purpose. We read there, God said, let us make man in our image. And why? Have you ever wondered why? Why did God... There he is in the glories and the splendors of, of, of his presence, of his own presence. He didn't need anything. He didn't need anyone. He was perfectly fulfilled. Perfectly, there was nothing that God was lacking, nothing that God needed. He wasn't sitting there saying, you know, I would be satisfied and full if I had man now. He didn't need that. God did not need man. God did not need anything. Had God needed anything or anyone or any man, God would not have been God exactly in that particular point. Do you understand what I'm saying there in that? At that point where God needs anything, God is no longer God. And we know that it's impossible. God does not need anything. God did not need man. Why was God there in heaven, sitting there with the sun sun, for all eternity past, never, never beginning. There's no beginning to it. There he was, and, and, and our minds go back, and it goes back, and it goes back, and it goes back, and we can't get to the end of it. That There was God. And then you go on eternity back past that, and there was God. He was, there was no beginning in God. And there God is in, in, in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, in all of his majesty. And in today, there has nothing been added to that. God is not increased. God could not be increased. God is not diminished. God cannot be diminished. For all eternity, God is God. 
But there he was in all of the glory, and he says, let us create man. Why? I'm trying to deal with the why. Why, why sisters, do you wear a head covering? Why did God create man there in heaven when he needed nothing? We've bought into the lie today that God kind of needs us. God's kind of there in heaven just begging and pleading and hoping, won't you please come and love me? I need somebody to come and love me. Won't you, won't you accept my son? Won't you love my son? Can't I get somebody here to love me? It's like we serve a God that's deprived of love. That's kind of what the modern Christianity has posed our God as, as being some weak grandfatherly figure that sits there in heaven almost in a Santa Claus form just wanting to pass out gifts, wanting to hand out blessings. Won't someone please come and serve me? Won't someone come and see how good I am? Won't someone come and just show me a little attention, give me a little bit of his heart, show me a little bit of his love? Can't I, am, am I not worthy of some of that? And we got it all wrong. God doesn't need us. God didn't need us from the very beginning. God didn't create us because he needed man. But God was there in glory, and he says to the Son, let us create man in our image. And as we read there, that's exactly what he did. And let us give them dominion over all that's on the earth. Why? Why? As the church of Jesus Christ, we need to understand the why of that question. We need to be able to give an answer why God created man. To misunderstand and not to be able to announce that or answer that question is to make ourselves, as one has said before, in so fact, not the church. We've lost our purpose. We don't see what we're here for. We don't see why we've even been created. How are we going to provide the answers and the solutions to man's problems in all humanity if we don't even know why we're here? If we still got it in our mind that God somehow needs us? Now, be careful with that. You could run that thing a little too far where I'm not going. But why did God create man in his image? Why did he do it? It's for the purpose, as we read here in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul was given the answer. It was an answer that had been hidden from the beginning. It was a mystery that was not known. And suddenly now it's known. It had been hidden, and now suddenly it's uncovered. It had been, it was down there in the, 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 buried down in the deep. It was down there under the, under the rubble. It was not known. And God reveals to Paul why God says, let us create man in our image. It's for the purpose, to the intent. To the intent, for the purpose that now, Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. We're being watched. We are being watched. These principalities and powers, whoever they are, wherever they are, the angels in heaven and the fallen angels, the the. I don't know the, the cherubims, the seraphims, the, 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 the archangels, the angels, the fallen angels, the demons, these principalities and powers, wherever they are, whoever they are, wherever they inhabit. It says here specifically in heavenly places, 
that they would look down upon man that God created in his image. They would look down upon that man. They'd look down upon that woman, and they would truly see there something that a representation, an image of God. That when they look down from heaven at this new thing that God has done, they're going to look down upon this, and just as they, you know, we hear the thing a lot of times when we're carrying our little ones on our sides, and someone will come up and say, oh, we know where you belong. You look just like your mama, don't you? You look just like your daddy, don't you? We hear that, and we kind of feel, we like that. We like hearing that. We like hearing that the little guy looks like, like me, or the little girl looks like mama. And God there in heaven, he, 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 he says, let us create man. And now here is man, and the angels in heaven are looking down upon this, saying, what is this thing? What is this thing that God has done? And they look down upon this man and this woman, and they see in that the likeness and the image of the Father, of God, the Creator, here in heaven. And they become an object lesson. They become an object lesson. The angels of heaven are now looking down upon this man, and they're looking down upon this woman, and they are learning now things about God. It says here, the manifold wisdom of God. They are learning now things about God. Are you following me here? Have I lost you? I know this gets a little bit, but I hope you don't lose this. I hope you, I hope you're, I hope you catch this. That when they look down here upon man and upon woman, they are learning things about God. They are learning things about God that they didn't know when it was just God and them in heaven. Do you see what's being said here? They're learning things about God by looking at us that they never knew before, even though they were in his presence. They didn't know about the mercy of God. They didn't know about all of the gentleness and the compassion and the, the salvation of God. How were they to know about that in the midst of perfection, when there had been nothing that had fallen, when there had been nothing of corruption, when there had been nothing? And now there's this object lesson of man and of woman, and it is testifying to the angels something about God that they never once knew before man had been created. Do you see that there? And so for a man to come and cover his head and to cover that is in fact demonstrating something that is not of God. It's marring the image of God. It's why it's a crime for a man to cover his head while he prays. It ought not to happen because he's marring the image of God before the angels. It's not how God designed it. It's not how God created it. Okay? There's more that could be said about that. I'm telling you, we could go so far into all this. And here I am, and I haven't even begun. I haven't even begun. I don't know that we're going to get through it all today. I'd like to get through it all today. But you're being watched. You're being watched. You're being watched by humanity, and you're being watched by the angels. And what you're called to do, you're called to demonstrate God's original plan when he made you in his image. That is what you are to be demonstrating. 
And the problem is this, is that we live in a world today that is trying so hard, is trying so with everything they've got. The world we live in today is trying to take the woman and press her into a mold and press her into an image and press her into a form and press her into an appearance and press her into a place that God never intended her to be. And you ladies feel that. You feel that. Anytime you go to the grocery store and look at a magazine that's there, you know what a woman in the eyes of the world ought to look like. She ought to be, what do they say, 5'4", 5'6", 110 pounds, beautiful long flowing hair. She's got a painted face. She's the, the picture of beauty is what the world portrays there, right? And you ladies feel that. And you feel that pressure, and you feel that, that push and that, that squeezing to be placed into that mold. And the world tells you that, the world tells you that in order to be a woman, in order to be liberated, it puts all those pressures on you of what that ought to look like and how you have choices and how you have freedom and how you, you don't have to, you can do whatever you want. And so that, that, goes, into the, that goes into every aspect of how the woman's appearance, the woman's place is no longer at home, it's in the, it's in the workplace, it's, it's everything about us is pushing us and pressing and, and, and squeezing you women into that mold, into that image that God didn't create. There's an image that God created and, and is displaying to the angels the manifold wisdom of God, and the world is trying to press you into an image, something other than that, something other than that. And you feel the pressures of that. So why ought a woman to have her head covered? Why ought a woman to have her head covered? Have I lost y'all by sharing all that, that narrative? Did that get too complicated? Did that take it too many different ways where our minds are, you see what I'm simply trying to say? God has made you ladies. He's given a creation narrative. He's spoken what your proper place is. And we're not male chauvinists here. If we are, we need to be uh, we don't have any place for that. We don't have any place in the church for men who are abusers, who are dictators, who usurp their authority and lord it over the woman and command obedience and command submission and command. If that's the case, then, then that, needs, that needs to be addressed. There will be no place for that here within the church. That needs to be put out. It can't be. That's not the type of leadership that we're looking for in our, in our men and in our homes. 
Jesus gave himself for the church. He cherished it. He loved it. And, and we need to have lessons on that as well. And we're not speaking about that at all. And even as Paul says here, he says, for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. You can't be man unless there's been a woman involved. Can you? It just can't happen. Man needs woman, and woman needs man. And you just try to have a man without a woman. Try to have a woman without a man. We're not, we're not putting anything down. We're not raising one, a man up higher than the woman. We're not, we're just, what we're acknowledging is that God, in the beginning, created man in his image, and he created woman there to be the glory of the man. And there is an image that is to demonstrate to the angels the manifold wisdom of God, And so why ought a woman to cover her head? It says they're because of the angels. It says, so ought a woman to have power. Where are we at here? For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Okay, can I go a little longer? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little longer here. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get through all this. I'm, I apologize, but if I don't see you sleeping, I'm going to keep on going. If I see you start dazing off, then we'll just call it and we'll just end it then. But I have an amazing ability of being able to tell who's with me and who's not, sometimes to, to a disadvantage. of, this, of um, So if I see you going off, I'm thinking I lost them. But here we go. So... For this cause, ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. One of the reasons that a woman ought to have her head covered is because of the angels. One of the reasons why a woman ought to have her head covered is because she's being watched by the angels. And that is glorious. If you're displaying what all that means, what all that is to embrace that, if a woman in her place is taking the creation narrative, as we read there in Genesis, and, and reads what the Bible has to say about womanhood and her proper place in that, that she understands there is God the Father, and there is Christ the Son, and there is, there is man, and woman has been, has been placed under man as a helpmeet to him. And she reads that creation narrative, And she understands what her role as womanhood is, as defined by the Bible, as God has defined it, not as the world is trying to define it. The world is trying to define this, and it's taking these women, and like I said, it's trying to press you into a mold where you do not need your husbands, you do not need man, you can do this on your own, you don't need his help, you don't need to be his help, you can lead, you can direct, you can order, you can, you can do this yourself. That's what the world's mold is there. But for a woman to take the biblical narrative as given there in the creation account of Genesis and on throughout the scriptures, for her to take that and to embrace it, to innerly accept it in her heart that I am a woman as God has defined woman. I am a woman as God has defined it, not as other women have defined it, not as the culture around me defines it. I am a woman as God has defined it. 
then for you to be before the angels is a glorious thing. They are learning things about you that is glorious. But for you to not be accepting of that, you're in a really bad place. You're in a really scary place because the angels are watching after you. Now, I want to uncover something here that I think has been hid. There's some writing on it, but it, it's been hid. And the early church believed, and they taught on this, and it's something that's, again, about 20 foot down underneath there, covered over. But the early church taught that the Genesis account there, in, and I'm going to just go there. If I can find it. Okay, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 6. And this, this is an odd piece of scripture, it seems like. But Genesis chapter 6, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply, this is verse 1, When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. These angels in heaven were watching what God had created. That was what they were supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be looking at this man and at this woman, and as object lessons, they were supposed to be learning about God. And so that's what they were doing. And what had happened, as the early church taught it, and as we find in, in even earlier writings than that, um, in the book of Enoch, and Enoch, as you'll remember, is actually quoted both in Peter and in Jude, and it was held by the early church as being uh, Scripture, but we've, we've not regarded it that way necessarily. But, but nevertheless, it was good enough for Jude to quote it, and it was good enough for Peter to quote it. And so I'm going to use it a little bit here as well. We find there in the book of Enoch that Enoch explains what happened here. And the early church took Enoch at, at what he had shared, and they took it that this is what happened. So I'm going to share with you what happened according to the early church, according to Enoch, that what actually happened here was that they were looking down upon, the, upon man and upon woman, and that the women, instead of covering themselves, they went against nature, because as it will read later on, God has given it even as a covering, the hair, as, so that even nature declares that woman ought to be covered. It's a, by way of analogy, but even woman should be covered. But these women threw off their coverings, and the angels in heaven that were supposed to be watching them, they were supposed to be learning about the manifold wisdom of God by looking at his creation. They were supposed to be looking down at these, at, at, at these images of God's creation, and in them they were supposed to be seeing and learning things about God. But the women threw their veiling off. They threw their covering off. And there was a host of the angelic hosts that looked upon those women and lusted after them. And we have this account here in Genesis that we hardly know what to do with these days. We read this and we say, that just doesn't hardly even make any sense. 
Lucifer was the covering cherub. There's a lot more that could be said in all that, but as they, as they looked down upon these women, there was a great angelic host that looked down upon these women, and as it says, they looked upon them, they saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose, and they fell from their estate. They fell from heaven after these women that unveiled themselves. They are being watched, and they became the prey They became the victims of the angelic host, of the fallen angels. So women, why ought you to cover your head? I believe it is intrinsic in every woman. And most women today would not admit this. Most women would not confess this. If you you got them and you set them down and you got this this real important CEO woman, this this self-created, self-named, strong woman, she don't need her man, she don't need, you know... She's got her kids in daycare. She's successful. She's a, she's a self-made woman. If you could get her in her office in a quiet moment to be real, real, real honest with you, in the, in, in the innermost part of her heart, that part where she's got to be truthful, most all women are going to confess that they need a protector. Most all women are going to confess that I need someone to protect me. That would make sense, wouldn't it? The woman, as in the biblical narrative and biblical truth, as God is true, he says the woman's the weaker vessel. It would make sense then, isn't it, that the woman would feel intrinsically within herself that need for protection One of the reasons that a woman ought to cover her head is because it gives her that protection. It gives her that protection. These ladies that uncover their head have no idea what they're actually opening themselves up to. But when a woman embraces the creation narrative and accepts that, and chooses and says, I choose to place myself in God's order of creation. I embrace it. I, I testify of it. I demonstrate it. I, I, I love it. She is placing herself under the divine protection, not only of her husband. She's, prote- she's placing herself under the divine protection of God, above the angels, above the principalities, above the powers that are at work. She takes herself and places herself above that, and she is protected. And to take that off opens herself up. It tells those angels that are watching, she's not available. She's not up for grabs. We can't bother her. We can't get at her. She's got the covering. And I could go on, if time would allow, I could go on and give you numerous accounts of where that's actually the case. God gives a protection to women, and that is why a woman ought to have power upon her head because of the angels. She is being protected by having her head covered. 